Welcome to the Didi and Latal Show. Advice, thoughts, and stories from a married couple on cybersecurity, technology, and life in general. Now here are your hosts, Didi and Latal. Hello and welcome to the Didi and Lital Show. I'm Lital. Hi, Didi. How is it going? Things are awesome. And I am awesome because we said that that's the catchphrase. You are awesome. I am awesome. Okay. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of the team. What's new in sports that we can talk about? There's uh, nothing new. Th- there's nothing new. It's the, it's the tail end of hockey season, the tail end of basketball season. And who cares about baseball? Let, let, let's be honest. Who cares about baseball? It's oh. almost summertime. Oh, my God. I have so many forms to fill for the kids. And I yep. keep on getting those reminders via email. And I keep on not filling up those health forms and stuff. Those forms. Like, those forms. That's... The kids can just go to whatever and survive. Trust me. I know, they wouldn't let me. I I mean, I've spent all my life in Israel. I went to all kinds of camps. I don't think my mom signed any piece of paper, ever. Because in Israel, you don't sign any piece of paper. Like, it doesn't exist. And Leah's been going to the same camp since she was four. Yes. Can they keep the same forms again? No, because every year you need to re-sign stuff because God knows it's a new kid. Exactly. Uh, it, it, there's new legal liabilities that happen between previous year and this year. This is, again, the keeping you busy thing as a parent. Like, you have three kids. They're going during summer to multiple camps. Each camp has its own system of filing. Some needs it hard copy. Some of the weird, each one is like not secured at all, of course. They keep all the data of our kids. And it takes a long time of my life. It's the busybody work of making me feel like a responsible parent filling up paperwork. Maybe this is a startup for ChatGPT. Autofill our kids. <gasps> I'm going to use ChatGPT this weekend to fill up the form. Thank yes. you. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Bingo. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm happy now. All right. See? What are we? Yeah, I like efficiencies. Efficiencies. Uh, that, uh, so how if, would they know what's the state of our kids' health? I will the, tell the kids have no nothing exactly Uh, so so you fill out the form yay yes exactly so now that we've agreed that we need to build a startup to fill out automatically useless forms for healthcare in the u.s what are we going to talk about next i think you raised an interesting topic it came from you listening to a podcast and also always (laughs) me Uh, listening to podcasts is how i get ideas yes Uh, let me introduce the topic so and and it's something that i see and i've seen in my previous companies a lot and i i think that's a topic engineering not knowing and caring enough about the business Uh, I, i think that there is a trend that engineers just come to build tech and they don't necessarily care about the cost, the COGS, what's, uh, what's the acronyms of COGS? COGS is cost of goods sold. Okay. So the infrastructure they built on, I mean, they could build something that is super inefficient. Yes, Snowflake, all those services that we're using, this is 
in the millions of dollars for a company to run. And if engineering don't care about it, this is a problem. And it's a compounding problem as you grow. And I've heard a lot of early stage startups that they are like, oh, we're just building an MVP. It doesn't need to scale at the moment. It's nothing to worry about. We'll scale later. We'll care about a more efficient architecture when we grow. Never. We'll deal with the problem when the problem comes. So I want to start by that. We can then talk about do engineering even need to understand the market? Do they need to understand marketing and sales? But let's let's start with really understanding the basic cost of things. Cool. So let's start with something when we start about the cost. Let's start with the cost of the engineer before mm-hmm. we start of anything else. Okay. The basic salary? Before we do that, even before we do that. So when I first met Matt, my partner in Ort, we had different philosophies. And by the way, the same thing happened with when me and Dennis met up with Sean, that when we built Cisco Defense Orchestrator, the, the goal we wanted to have, we said we want a few very, very, very good engineers. And we don't want the hierarchy because everybody that is taught comp sci and comes from any comp sci school learns about what is called the hierarchy of engineers. That means you have two like really good engineers, a group of okay engineers, and a bunch of interns that kind of fetch rocks. You can't build shit with that model. You, you, you can, but you need an army of these people, and that, that's the first cost that's going to kill you. You want to have... Yeah, HR cost is the highest cost in a startup. Exactly. So <laughs> you, want, you want to have four or five very, very good engineers, and one of the things that when you measure an engineer is do they understand the business? First, before we start about talking about the cogs, they need to understand the business. What are we in the business of? And one of the things that a veteran engineer will know is that we are not in the technology business. We're in the money-making business. If we can build something that is boring as shit and basically like our chat GPT filling out useless forms and now, or pet rock, or even something like that, I don't care. If I can have one engineer, so th- this is the best case of a COGS optimization. There was a startup called Plenty of Fish that was competing with eHarmony. And one guy, one guy built a dating site that was sold for half a billion dollars. I so, think WhatsApp had this. Like they 19, were like, like 11 people. How exactly, many, 19 like, engineers, something like that. Yeah. This is the thing that allows you to be insanely successful making sure that your engineering team, leadership down to the last engineer, cares about the business. Is the business good? Is the business bad? Are we selling? Are we not selling? And ask questions of how, what can I build to increase our sales numbers? If your engineering team is not engaged in the weekly, and if you don't have weekly meetings to, to say the state of the business, you should. You need to have weekly state of the business for the whole company. And if the engineering team doesn't care about the state of the business, you have a problem. My engineering team gave our sales leader a lot of hard time and said, you can't tell us that the product is awesome and we're not selling. Pick one of the the two. Either we need to build new stuff and we're not building the right thing or you're not good at your job. So this is uh, my expectation is 
because engineering is usually the biggest group in the startup, I'm expecting it to be the most vocal about anything that relates to GTM. Be engaged with GTM. Be a name for GTM. Help marketing teams understand why this feature is so awesome. You just spent six weeks building this feature. Explain to everybody why is this awesome. Why is this valuable? I, I want engineers to chase down the PMMs and the marketing teams and explain why are we not talking about this feature more? You don't understand how big of a problem it solves. So that's like the first step. And this is, and it's really easy to do when you hire engineers to, to see that if the engineers care. Because every engineer that I brought into Ort that I liked grilled me of the state of the business and asked, demanded to talk to Matt to explain how is our runway and how much money do we have and how do we plan to address some of these things that if you hire an engineer and they don't want to talk to the CEO or somebody that understands anything related to the money, it's a challenge. So you're saying a good sign if it's the right engineer to hire is if he's asking the right questions about how many customers do you have, what the customer like, dislike, what challenges do you have with customers, things like that. And you want them to bring it up uh, yes. unsolicitedly, right? Yes, yes. And yep. want to listen in on customers' calls. Yep. And want to be engaged with these things. They don't necessarily want to be engaged directly with the customers, but they want to listen in at least and understand and have a pipeline for a customer asks. And that's a, that's a great thing. If you have in your company technology like Gong and stuff, you can force them actually to do it. Like don't you can force. incentivize them. Don't force. You can expose them to customer nope. calls. Nope. Why not? Hire right. Well, and if you already have an organization, how can you Fire. make them more involved? Fire, fast. <laughs> that's like a... Engineers and salespeople are the easiest ones to hire and fire because you go into GitHub and you see how much lines of code they contributed. Yeah, but line of code is not necessarily being interested in no, how you, you successful lines the business is. You measure lines of code that are used by customers. How do you measure line of codes from the GitHub? Seriously. Simple, simple. Measure, yes, but how much used by customers? If you don't know how to do, to do this, this is a podcast on its own. But if, if you as a sales, if you're in, as an engineering manager, don't know how to answer what I just said, you're useless and need to be fired. Okay, let's ask, let's go to this point about building an MVP versus building a product that There's scales. no such thing. There's no such thing. What do you mean? I heard a ton of, okay, we build it right now, then we will re-architect it when we need to actually scale for MSSPs, when we need to scale to the channel, when we have large enterprise customers. For now, we have a basic product that works and we need support and we need CS. That's, that's BS that useless engineers tell people that don't know engineering about things. Okay. Even when you build the MVP, so the first thing you invest in is the testing framework and make sure that everything is tested. You, the Dennis and I, when, if you haven't heard the Dennis and Me podcast in the past, go listen to the Dennis and Me podcast. The Viking ship. The Viking ship. There's a, if you build an MVP, there's something Dennis and I call the leave room. It's, you do a few things, it, it, you, but you build the code that is built to be perfect. 
but you don't do a whole bunch of other stuff. You said that you'll do it, but you don't. And that means there's no architecture to leave, like the, there's like the, remember that somebody says, there's no AC, but there's, the vents are in place. That, that, the, in Israel, when you say, I don't know how to translate that. That is a real case of over-engineering. It means that it will never be used, it will never be, you build. It's unfinished garage. It's an unfinished garage. That's it's an the unfinished, US. <laughs> yeah, the unfinished basement. <laughs> the unfinished basement, yes. That, that, that's that's an invitation for a disaster in engineering sense. It, it makes a lot of sense in the house. Well, it's ready for the future. You can invest no, because so much effort and build your, your basement. Because the technology it- changes. So let's say you have the unfinished. Now you need cat nine in the walls. And technology in building is not changing that much, but in software, something that I left behind as a preparation for something six months ago is completely irrelevant in the future. And now I'll explain a little bit of the culture that led me to this understanding. It all started with Matan. Matan Your boss my, in my the boss, military. My boss in the military. He used to come to every meeting within the big Excel file that was telling... The general, basically, he was basically a major. Him, the general, and said, this is your five business goals that you're measured on. This is how my team impacts your five goals. This is the staffing I need to hit your five goals, and this is the staffing I have now. This is how you not staffing me right is, is breaking your goals as the business. And that's the first time I saw this. The, the fact that if you're an engineering manager... Your f- best friend is the CFO, and yes, I really like Gwen and work with her a lot. And I was working in Cisco with Michelle very tightly, and I was working very tightly with the equivalent at, at the RSA because you need to know what are the business goals of the company, how much money you're getting to help this, and if you don't know how to manage towards that money, you're doing something wrong. The Didi and Latal Show will return in a moment. The Didi and Latal Show is sponsored by ORT. In today's world, identities are the perimeter protecting the organization and are the most exploited vector by attackers. If your security teams are struggling to maintain control of identity management tools, ORT can help. ORT offers a centralized platform for discovering, monitoring, assessing, and remediating identity threats to your business. While most security platforms can take weeks or months to start identifying and remediating risks, with ORT, your security teams can get started in as little as 30 minutes and start securing the identity perimeter immediately. ORT will surface the most critical vulnerabilities and give your security teams the recommended action steps. Start your trial today at ORT.io. That's O-O-R-T dot I-O. The DD and Latal Show is sponsored by Hunters. Hunters is a SaaS platform purpose-built for security operation teams. Providing unlimited data ingestion and normalization at a predictable cost, Hunters helps SOC teams mitigate real threats faster and more reliably than SIM. Visit Hunters.ai to learn more. But many engineers will say that's the job of product. That's why we have product management. Product management. They do that. Product management's goal is to go listen to customers, translate those into business needs. The, the, 
the the thing and that, prioritize and and prioritize now that now that product management has said this will bring us ten customers you need to build that that know if product management is right and then put them in their place if they're not and same goes by the way for sales leads and customer success leads they say oh wait you have to build this because ten customers will do this you need to experiment you need to build these things but managing your budget and understanding your budget and understanding how you managing your budget helps the business is probably the most important role of an engineering manager and I'll give you another example another great two actually great engineering leaders I had one was Manoj Nair and the other one was David Rasepore both of them showed me the Excel and said this is the budget and how we make the budget impact the business so I'll give you the best example my team and I argued tooth and nail about snowflake yes snowflake no I overruled them because I wanted to bring in snowflake uh, as, a as a partner and I said that's not an engineering decision this is a business decision mm-hmm and the first time Oleg ran our numbers of how much it costs us to run in Athena and how much it costs us to run in snowflake he said we're finishing this migration in three months at uh, three weeks because he says every week that we're in Athena is costing us it's costing us ten is costing us ten times more money than it would in snowflake goodbye snow uh, good, goodbye Athena hello snowflake boom this is what you need to have an I, engineer I think that's the point I think that engineers are not necessarily taught to think about the cost alternatives of what is the framework we're working with what's the platform they're coding what databases they're using they're not necessarily they may think of performance or ease of use or whatever they're used to using but there is no necessarily a bigger picture of impact on the business the cost the impact on GTM snowflake can partner with you and help you in other places so that the multitude of reasons to chose to choose X versus Y when you're building something using a specific platform or, or choosing one vendor or another I think that means some education from engineering leadership and opening it up having all those conversations and that's critical I want to ask you you Back to this idea of what we will do later versus what is now needed. So you're saying, I, I, I want to challenge you because I still saw so many organizations saying, okay, now we are in a point of actually building multi-tenancy. Now we're in a point of doing X versus Y. Now we do migration. Now we do that. And then the now is becoming again never never and being pushed and being pushed because at the point of now the bigger is that business is growing there's so many customer demands there's so many bugs to fix have you um, seen have you seen Leah's laundry room oh you mean her room yeah the laundry room of Leah is her room yes yeah and and the same thing about you folding the laundry of never this is an excuse this is an inefficiency of And a, an in understanding of how life works you hope that a miracle will happen sometime in the future to make this not your problem because then you'll outsource it bring somebody to just do that 
You'll have the migration team, you have yes. so, the architecture team. Again, the Dennis and Didi Viking rule of basic engineering, and if you don't understand it, you're an idiot. Did I mention that people that don't understand the Didi and Dennis Viking rules are, an idi are idiots? So, technical debt comes in two forms, accruing debt and non-accruing debt. Great example of non-accruing debt. We had to build a feature of per-tenant encryption. And I said, nobody cares about this thing. They just need a checkbox and need to know about it in the future. And then I said, yeah, nobody understands that. And we were talking to Doron, his tallness, and asked him, if we put in the per-tenant encryption now, or we put it in eight months, would it make any big difference? He said, no, of course not. And we talked to Mongo, because back then we were running on MongoDB, and we said, hey, dear Mongo, are you ever going to support the per-database encryption key? And they said, yeah, yeah, it's on the roadmap, something, something, something. I said, you know what? Let's support the database per customer option and give the customer the option to run on their own database or not. If they choose to do so, we'll be able to do support that feature or not. And that's an example of a non-incuring technical debt. We knowingly did not encrypt per tenant, but encrypted based on the storage requirements. When Mongo came out with the feature, we turned on the support. Zero customers actually wanted that feature, but the fact that we could speak about it and that it's coming was good. But we understood that this is not incurring technical debt. Not building in multi-tenancy, this was an argument that Dennis and I had with Sean, day one of CDO. We said, every day that you don't build the system to be multi-tenanted, is a disaster that you'll pay for in the future because every line of code in the product will have to change when you move to multi-tenancy. And understanding that question of is this accruing or not accruing technical debt is the most important for every, every engineering decision that you make. And I'll give an example of something that we do in ORT continuously. We don't release what we call checks. There's checks that we run through our data science group and me. What does that mean? It means that Sasha and I run a whole bunch of queries that are scripted and duct taped and things like that. And we show customers, if we would have built it in the product, this is how it would look like. But it means that engineering has built from day one an infrastructure to allow for that playground. So there's a place... But then you go and build it, right? Because I see so many companies that keep on running this no, no, thing no, 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 that no, no, somebody no. behind no, no, no. fake it with services. No, so And all they have is a product that behind the scene is a top of ton of people that actually duct tape it. So the successful companies build it into the product that there's an actual room for t Mechanical Turk. If you know what you're doing, you design the system from day one to support the Mechanical Turk and know when to move from Mechanical Turk to full automation. But if you don't know what you're doing, you build the and then, by the way, you incur also security problems because you're, you're built on a team that your engineering team always has access to directly to customer data, and then you're not getting your SOC too. So these are the things that ne you need to design from day one. There are things that if you don't know how to do from day one, multi-tenancy, so build an infrastructure that is scalable, that there's no single point of kind of choke point. And if you don't do your SOC too, we started doing our SOC 2 before there was a line of code because like we in the, the podcast we had with Stravish if you haven't listened to the one we had with Stravish listen to the one we had with Stravish understand that when you do the SOC 2 day one 
when you start line, lines of code, you start doing the SOC 2, it means you get into like a healthy diet. Speaking of summer diets, need a diet. So you're starting with security built from day one, business understanding, understanding of what the customer will need. You have scale in mind because if you're building without scale, it's going to bite you. Yes. Multi-tenancy will bite you. Re-architecturing doesn't happen. It's like, and like building a house or renovating, it's, you're like, oh, we need to do it. Then you sign up for doing it. Then it takes three times the budget and five times the time yes. that you plan for it. So everything will take longer, will be more expensive. And as you grow, your number of customers grow, the itchiness for not getting it will actually go back and bite you with customer churn, which is the worst. Somebody that has been with you for two years and have been asking for something, promise that it will happen. It's on our roadmap. Your product team shows that it's on our roadmap, but the reality is that there are always other things to go and build and it's tough. And it's once you get to it, it's tougher and it's expensive and takes twice the time. So whatever you are delaying for the future will come back and bite you with customers that are unhappy. So think about it from day one. What would make your future customers happy? What's critical to keep them with you over so time? Here's what we are doing. We have a shared Slack channel with most of our customers. And engineers. And engineers. And yeah, the engineers are seeing what the customers and the engineers are seeing what the customers are asking for. Yeah. Here's a nice little metric. If the engineers are not biting on customers' asks, that's a challenge you have with your engineering team. Because my engineering team, sometimes kind of Nico gets pissed off at them because sometimes they just go off and build. They say, oh, customer X asked for this. We think that this is really valuable. Done. I, I think this is a totally separate episode and we'll, we'll bring a few product managers to talk about it. I think this is also when it gets tricky because going and running and building features for every request of a customer is where you get Salesforce. <laughs> that is a lot of features with no commonality. Oh, you mean the product... company that's worth how many billions? Yeah, yeah. Is there any other? <laughs> no, no competition talking about giants. But, but having said that, what I want product managers will say that it's very risky because there is no strategy. And I, I would say that keeping customers happy is, is the number strategy, one strategy. strategy. But there is probably a fine line and there needs to be prioritization. But let's yeah. have an episode about it. Yeah, um, we'll bring in Nico and make fun of him. Yeah. So I think with that, we're good. So we engineers, if you're going and coding, it's time for you to start understanding the impact you're having on your business, the cost that you deciding to do X versus Y, the alternative cost of your time, ask questions. Also and they ask are not answered. The talk to the other side. Talk to your marketing leader. Talk to your sales leader. Talk to CS. All the time, talk to CS. That should be your best friends. Cogs, yeah. cogs. And I'll tell you why cogs and cogs and cogs and cogs. Because you want to be able engineers need to think of the cogs because then they are able to they, 
the fact that your cogs are low means that you can enter deals that sometimes your competition can't. Absolutely. So the thing is, we in the go-to-market side, we have hard time. We need to keep on bringing new customers, new customers, get on the attention. It's expensive. We need to advertise. So we kind of like need to keep on pouring more to bring more things. If you have an efficient organization, it's amazing. If you are bleeding money to your infrastructure, your AWS, your this is a nightmare because no matter how hard your marketing and sales work, they bring in customers, they cannot discount it. They cannot compete because your infrastructure is damn expensive. So this is the most important thing. Care about it because you have leverage. You are the part of the organization that is scaled. The cheaper you are, the better you can compete and you free up all this money to go reach out more customers and get to them. And then there is a flywheel of efficiency that without that, if you're just built on human being duct taping stuff, because there's so many holes that and bugs and things, this is ineffective, bring your, your margins. Your VCs care a lot about that. Your CFO cares a lot of that they don't understand why they're bleeding money to your cloud service provider and everything else. And at the end of the day, you might have chosen or you may not allocated the right resource and go check what is it that you're spending money on. Okay, and with that, we conclude for today. Thanks for being with us. The Didi and Lital Show is a weekly podcast. See and rate us wherever you get your podcast. Please recommend us to friends. And if you want to be on the show, reach out to us. Have a wonderful week. See you next week. Have a great week. Everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. <laughs>